G'day, my name's Chris Anderson and welcome to the Ando & Co podcast. Today I'm really excited to be sitting down with uh, pretty much the whole team from Ether Brewing. So um, I've got Dave who's the owner of Ether, George who's the head brewer and Rich who is the sales and marketing manager. Guys, what can you tell us about yourself? Um, well, we might as well start way back in 2014 uh, when um, the idea first came out. Uh, of wanting to own a brewery and I was uh, working for an engineering company called Powertech at the time and uh, I'd gotten into a bit of trouble and I was pretty restless and I was sick of office and, and managerial life um, and I was in, yeah, it was, I guess it was the prompt for me to pursue what was a lifelong dream, like I was just sick of it all um, and I was, you know, I have this thing, a bit of ADHD and stuff and if I get bored I start to <laughs> get pretty destructive so I was running a bit of a mark got in a bit of trouble with my you know my managing director at the time and that's when it kind of all came out that that's it you know I'm, I'm sick of this life and I'm gonna jump headfirst into a brewing um, and it was in that conversation that it came up about ether um, when my MD and I were talking about it. he goes that's okay just put that out the ether for now um, and let's finish this uh, and he looked at me and said that's a great name for a brewery um, and it just kind of stuck from there. So that was a long time before we actually got the brewery together. Um, so that was kind of when I went, you know, I want to start working towards this. Um, and then I met uh, Jimmy out in the oil and gas fields in probably 2015. So not too long after um, closing out a project there. And then, um, so Jimmy and I became really good friends. The um, floods kind of, I ended up staying with him during the floods while my unit got flooded and all the rest of the good stuff. but. Uh, we became really good friends and he's just a people person he's born to be a publican um so yeah we got talking about it all the project and everything and uh decided that we we're going to jump into it together so we we're going to start a brew pub uh, i'll look after the brewing he looks after the venue um and then so 2016 is when we actually launched the brew pub uh lots of really long weeks and nights getting that prepared um we were on a shoestring budget and we blew that out like 10 times over um, luckily, case, right? well, <laughs> absolutely always the case. Uh, luckily, family were there to help us out and get us through um, that, so we could at least get open and trading. Um, and then, you know, from there, we um, kind of realised how much beer people actually drink, uh, and also how slim the margins are in brewing. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of fat in it. So, we realised that if we're ever going to make any money, we have to produce more beer and get people to buy more beer. Um, so the little 500 litre brew kit just wasn't cutting it. Uh, we ended up um, commissioning a brew house for our friend Ryan McLeod up at uh, Mulaney. Mm -hmm. And then so I'd spend my weeks, you know, I would um, brew on the 500 litre brew house. Then um, the next day I'd leave at sort of four o'clock in the afternoon, get up there at five because you couldn't run the brew house the same time as the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So get up there for when they <laughs> shut the kitchen down so that I could fire the HLT and get prepped for brewing and brew all through the night. Um, watch the sunrise come up over the mountains, which was like the nice bit about it. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like it was tough going. That would like 20, hours. 20, 20, long, 20 hour days. Yeah. And I'd do that two or three days a week mm. there and then brew down here. Um, it was a wild time. I look back on it now and I'm like, I can't even do, you know, that 16 hour day without hurting for another two days after. So I don't know how I did it, but <laughs> I think it's just one of those things, you know, it's, you're so passionate and you love, what you do so much you just don't think about it and as you know it got us to where we are now and I would definitely wouldn't change a thing you know would still do that um, so Jimmy was looking after the venue and I was uh, brewing like a lunatic um, and yeah and so we realized that again we couldn't produce enough up there and um, the conditions weren't ideal so um, you know we put together uh, planning for this place uh, and it was about that time that uh, we realized uh, as we were warned about through all our business relationship together is they don't go into business with your best friend yeah. and of course we were always really flippant about it we were like there's no fucking way it's going to happen to us sorry about the language <laughs> uh you know we're, we're better than everyone else this isn't going to happen to us uh, but it did and you know it really came down to the fact that um when we started working on the big brewery uh my focus was on the big brewery and brewing and his focus was on the venue and running the venue 
and we just started to clash in between. So um, we did what we had to do and, you know, went our own ways. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, it's, it's true what they say about going into business with your best friend. Yeah. Uh, business divorce is real. Way. It's extremely common. Yeah, it is really common. And it wasn't until after we went through it, like, literally, anyone in their late 40s who'd owned a business or been in business mm. uh, had a story about going into business with their best friend and how it went. Um, so I can't even split a carton. How many beans? Yeah, um, but you know, we both got something out of it. He, you know, he's got his business, and I've got my business now, and uh, no one, you know, lost out too much. It's it was hard. Uh, you know, he was the best man at my wedding and stuff. It was hard to lose a friend over, but you mm. know, it's a, it's a lesson of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but from you keep there, building, right? Exactly, and so from there, it was like uh, that's it. You know. Brewing is all I want to do. I have no interest in running a venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no interest in <laughs> having a kitchen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly a people person. I, I don't get inspired to That's go out and true. hang out uh, with lots and lots of people. Uh, I like my, you know, my career, you know, small and, <laughs> and intimate. But, yeah, I'm not a crowd person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm definitely not a publican. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, so then, you know, brewing became the thing. And um, Mick... Uh, who's uh, one of our brewers on the floor at the moment. Uh, he came across with me. Mm-hmm. So he was working behind the bar there, but he was like my first assistant brewer, slash brewer, which was very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had a very small team, but we just kept brewing beer and it got better and better. Um, started winning, a, you know, a few awards, um, let's call medals and stuff, which was great. Uh, started to build the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think we'll get onto in a little bit, the, the brand itself and its evolution and mm. strange places. But, um, <laughs> you know, we just really focused on beer and that's, uh, that grew, the team grew, sales grew. Um, George came on two and a half years ago as a head brewer. Oh, yeah. Uh, that well, was an interesting story in itself. But, yeah, uh, brewer to start out as, but <laughs> grew, grew into the role. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got a random email from George, and George was living in Denmark at the time, and it was like, you know, I've got my master's in food science, and, you know, um, I currently work for Carlsberg, and I was like, this dude's full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a hundred percent a scam. Uh, like, there's, people like this just don't fall into your lap. This is, this is ridiculous. Uh, but after a few phone calls and Skype chats and stuff, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, I was like, get over here, you know, get over here and come work with us. and. Um, yeah, I just couldn't imagine doing what we do now without George. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, what is it, like a year and a half yep. ago now, um, Rich came on as um, uh, basically a contractor at the time. Yep. Um, but then, yeah, really quickly grew into the role. And uh, just like with George, I couldn't imagine doing what we do without Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, as we get bigger and as we sell more beer and the brand becomes bigger, I... I'm not good enough in all the areas to, you know, to have to continue running it myself. Only so many hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I like, you know, it's that thing. I always wanted to be a brewer my mm-hmm. whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm no longer a brewer. Uh, I run a brewery. Um, is a, that was a very valuable lesson. But, uh, yeah, we need the team. The, the team grows and um, I get a little bit more distant from all the things that I was intimate with. Uh, but I adore what I do and, you know, the 16 staff we have now. Uh, are exceptional and that's that's my whole job now is to besides looking after money and stuff but is to you know keep the 16 staff we have happy mm-hmm. and, and keep them that too. keep yeah, them focusing and yep. you know feeling the passion and love for beer and what we do and the brand mm-hmm. and George how did you hear about Ether all the way over in Denmark oh man um, so I found myself living in Denmark uh, with my partner and she knew that she wanted to go back to school and she got accepted down to UQ down here. So I found myself saying, well, we've already moved to a country we've never been to once. Let's mm-hmm. do it again. Um, I had a couple chats around town. Um, the chat that I had particularly with Dave and just seeing the direction that he wanted to take the company because this was um, very close to just after the split. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing how Dave said he wants to grow to this size in this amount of time and he wants to do this and that and this um, it was just kind of a no-brainer and like Dave said we had a couple chats and they were just really good conversations that we had um, 
so you know before I had even come down here it seemed like you know it was just kind of meant to be um, came down here and like, yeah this is this is a real operation that you know we're just gonna get kicked off on the ground with um, I mean my first year here we did what hundred and sixty thousand liters yeah and now this year we're gonna push about 700 Wow 700,000 yeah. yep. you know, something like that yeah um, yeah I mean as an aspiring you know as I'm beginning my career out in brewing um, you'd be ridiculous to look at an opportunity like this and say no to that um, that's just fantastic and you know just coming in the team and um, just getting to know everybody and working with everybody it's a fantastic team we've assembled here um, I don't know how we've done it, but we've done it. Yeah, yeah. everybody looks out for each other. That's just yeah. the beautiful part of everything. Um, you know, especially with the challenges of, you know, owning a business and on, on my behalf, even just operating a brewery mm. in the midst of COVID and floods. floods. <laughs> it's been a while the last 12, what, two years. First they have the bees yeah. and the dogs and... And that's just the disaster. Like that's right. Yeah. It's just like the grind and the struggle of I think, creating yeah. something. I think that was the thing, right? When you came across two and a half years ago, uh, you were so excited about traveling Australia and seeing all the sites and stuff. Yeah. But like yeah. the first, would you get like three months or four months before lockdown? Yeah. And um, ever yeah. since then, you know, obviously taking on the head brewer role and stuff, times a little bit more difficult, but... <laughs> Not been a lot of travel yet. Your we'll partner be, Nat, she's a, we'll is she an ecologist or something, or she's something to do with nature? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so George is always, uh, always doing, seems to be going uh, on some sort of doing her doctorate in environmental science. Yeah, yeah in uh, conservation science. Conservation science. Yeah, yeah we take save, a trip. Save yeah. the animals yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, we just got back from a trip that I saw too many snakes <laughs> and <laughs> too many creek crossings for my liking. But uh, <laughs> and you know, I'm um, just seeing the country and you know. Again, I, I had never been to Australia. I've been to the Southern Hemisphere once my entire life before, and that was two weeks in Bali. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just talk about going somewhere and having absolutely no clue what to expect, and I'm just super grateful that I wound up here. Yeah. Uh, it's been a fantastic so ride we, mate. ever since I got mm. here. Yeah. And you mentioned from the outset it was all about the beer. How did you go about selecting those first beers that you'd bro brewed? Yeah. And how's it grown since then? Uh, it's grown in leaps and bounds. I, um, so uh, back when Jimmy and I first decided that, right, uh, you know, we're, we're in planning now. We're, we're, we've got some budgets. Again, they were not nearly what we needed, but that's, that's a whole other story. Uh, but we've got some budgets. So we bought this little pilot kit, uh, and we had it down the back of this old dodgy shopping arcade in Ashgrove. And we just called it the lab. There's this little 50-litre pilot kit, and this little dodgy cold room in this little dodgy room. Um, with lots of spiders and shit, yeah, it's just classic Queensland. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, so we started brewing on that. So we basically moving away from all my home brew setups and into something had temperature control, fermenters, and things like that that we needed to be able to start researching recipes. Mm -hmm. And just how, um, how different was that, even just to begin with? You know, just switching from home brewing to yeah something yep. that's a professional setup. That's right. Yeah, I mean the yeah. beers were still really average. I mean, I look back at, um, I mean, the, you know. My earliest childhood memories are with dad brewing in the f on the farm in the laundry, um, and he used to make this really horrible stout from extract. Um, <laughs> he used to put so much white sugar in it. They, him and his friends, used to drink it with diet coke. It was that bad. <laughs> and then would and then would fill up the diet coke bottles with stout again. It was this really kind of it was, it was fun. So I look back as that you know, that is the worst beer I've ever had, <laughs> and um, and I always I think I was just adamant about always making better beer than dad which was very easy Funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, you can have an infected patch you're just like fuck it so much better than that stout <laughs> um but yeah so uh you know moving to that that pilot kit um which was much more professional um had was lots the one of in Ashgrove? it was one in Ashgrove. yeah we still deal with those legends yeah the you ones know? up from us yep yeah where dave first started brewing um in Ashgrove there um upstairs is a, a little bar and awesome bistro called the local larder run by a dude called mark and they yeah. sell our beers and they yep. do a great job so awesome that's yeah nice. that's in the that's little arcade yeah, full that's circle yeah. yeah that's at the front of the arcade that we're, yeah mm. um and then so we bought on like focus groups and stuff like we'd just be like we'd reach out on facebook and social media and stuff and be like hey who wants to come and join us and you know we'll mm. give you a growl or a beer just let us know what you think of it <clears throat> and i mean we thought the beers were great 
Um, but when we sort of opened the brew pub, the beers weren't super. You know, uh, learning commercial brewing and having not studied yet, um, that was a steep learning curve because I realized how much I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think when I realized that, I think that was when I just went, right, this is like a lifelong dedication now. This is, this is how I will spend my life now and probably die with this passion and learning about beer and I'll continue that. Um, I think that uh, people were really allowing of us and they, were, you know, they offered us um, lots of leeway back then because you know, we, were, you know, we were one of only three or four craft breweries in Brisbane. Uh, there's Newstead all in. Uh, Black Ops had just opened up down the coast. Um, Green Beacon, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look back now, and I think if a brewery came opened with those beers, I think they'd go out of business pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> and I might be being overly critical on myself. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, we got lots of leeway. Like lots of beers, I look back on and go, I wasn't really, I didn't know my shit then. The community's been right here in, yeah. in busy, but you know, in a lot of craft beer communities, I suppose. So Absolutely. And people want to support small business, not just now because of COVID, I suppose, mm-hmm. and everything that everyone's been through, but um, they get behind you and they yeah. support you and also contact you if you yeah. stuff yeah, if up you, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's I think because we were just like two friends just having a fucking crack and we didn't mm. really know what we were doing. Um, you know, Jimmy had never worked in hospitality before and I'd never commercially brewed before and we were just getting, because, and, you know, we're not the worst people. Yeah. So I think that kind of helped. Like, people were pretty allowing. Unfortunately, people's powers probably weren't that refined. Well, I don't think so either. That's absolutely right. I've I've worked in countries where, you know, people were drinking just bulk infected beers. And (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing. I don't know what it's supposed to taste like, which is great, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd, I'd... Knowing I have my name on those beers back then, I feel a little embarrassed. But um, knowing what we do now, I'm I'm not so much. You know what I mean? Knowing where it led us, and you know we have this really nice lab with lots of really nice equipment, and we have lots of toys that help us be better. And we have lots of processes in the brewery that George and I have nutted out over time that other people don't do or they brag about, but jokingly for us every batch is like that mm. you know what i mean it's like you know double dry hopping and stuff we've done that for the last what three Ever. or three years four yeah. years but it's beautiful um, it's not just, just these dudes using nice equipment to make them better obviously super passionate and they buck trends and they do whatever the hell they want to do <laughs> yeah. and, and we try and do obviously a bit for everybody but um one of the things i love about this spot is you know that sort of forging their own path our own path and mm and making some pretty crazy beers, which is cool. And try not to be rock stars about it. We just mm-hmm. do what we do, do it really well, and and um, and let the beer speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I never tried a bad beer at either. Oh, at either venue. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good so, um, and then just moving forward. So the focus now is, is more on brewing more beer, getting out there into stores and whatnot, being a distribution brewery, yes. obviously done a massive amount of liters this year. When did it? When did you start having a look at the brand and how you started to adapt that to, to suit the market? Yeah, I mean, that's been a tough one because um, before we knew it, we had this really gothic theme. And that was like before we even knew it. Like, like even back when we first started with the labels and stuff, neither, neither Jimmy and I are goss, neither, neither him or I, no, we both love metal and stuff, but neither him or I are particularly dark, sold people, you know, not, yeah, not in a negative way, but just, we didn't really have that vibe about us, but we just kind of ended up with it going, fuck, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way, like, the whole brand and the whole way, the, all the cans just ended up in this in this manner is because without a plan we went you, with did it. It really, you did it really well <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it, it just it, it all took on this style and and while i have embraced it um yeah it's um i don't know how much further it'll go before we have to change it up a little bit mm. yeah just you know it, it's beautiful and we love it but it's also very yeah quite closed off in what we can do because it all contains skeletons and skulls and I mean chaotic goods probably one of the scariest cans on the fucking market <laughs> and it's our mid-strength beer that's supposed to appeal to everybody you know what I mean it's a, a, a grim reaper with a sith of mm. hot flowers is mm. you know well I love it it's oh, not exactly it's it doesn't exactly the speak to the masses that, uh, is, yeah. is incredible oh, yeah. Yeah. we're really yeah. lucky to work with some you know, really great people you know, absolutely um, 
Shout yeah, out to Steve Falco, who's worked for, with us from day one back mm -hmm. in the lab. Mm -hmm. You know, he did our original labels for us and he still works with us now. Mm -hmm. And of course, Demographics, um, Emery, who's mm. been the same. Yep. Just freaks. Yeah, there's a lot of really talented people, but I mean, yeah. some of those core elements, you know, um, they're cool cans, you know, they, they pop on the shelf. You know, that's the sort <laughs> of, that's, that's the starting point, isn't it? Right? And then, um, uh, you just want someone to pick up your beer, and, yeah. and yeah. like I said, without a plan, but with some pretty talented people, um, it, it came up pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also another reason to talk about the brand. Like, oh, have you seen these cans? How, mm. how cool is this? Yeah. Like, oh, some people aren't doing much with their can art, but every time I see cans from Ether, there's something cool and along a similar thing. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, it comes at a cost. So. Um, if you go to printed cans, and we've gone to printed cans on these, but they're still limiting. Like the quality of them, it's not it doesn't pop as much as a label, mm -hmm. and labels are expensive. You know, we're talking twenty two cents per can just for the label. Yeah, right. Um, so up. it adds up, yeah, really, really quickly. Um, but the detail is nice, yeah. and the texture is nice. Mm. Um, so it's something that we've out. been pretty well known for for a while mm. was those um, unreal, like matte sort of textured um, labels. And so it's been a tiny bit heartbreaking, like, but also like, to lose those labels um, yeah. on most of the products. But at the same time, like, economies of scale, if we want to be competitive on pricing, and, exactly. and sure, we, we don't necessarily produce as, as many litres as some of the, the big boys, but um, uh, we've got to try and be more competitive and try and reduce our costs in order to you know, be able to hit a price point that people are pretty keen on paying for their <laughs> beer. Um, yeah. But we're lucky that it's not just, you know... Um, a bunch of pretty cans you know it's the, the quality of the juice inside of these uh, tinnies is, is unreal so and we've spoken so. a little bit about the can art but what are we all drinking and what can you tell us about it oh no so i'm drinking one of my all-time favorites and it's probably one of the first sours we did uh but witching our blackberry sour um it's been a cracker it's like one of our first fruited sours we the first ever sour that we did was uh Berliner Weiss. it was awful uh, and then we did another Berliner Weiss and it came out beautifully and then we were like, let's chuck some fruit in it. It was, it was blackberry because that was uh, what was available at the time uh, and we hadn't seen much of it out in the market and it's become a core staple beer that you know we're quite well known for um, and it's one of those things I think people in the industry are quite respectful of it as well. I think because it is one of those beers that have been around for a long time, um, we don't see too many blackberry beers being blackberry sours put on the market when there probably should be more mm. um, so I think people are really respectful of the beer and, and the quality of it which is why people don't tend to play in the blackberry space which is nice um, but I mean it's it's always been a cracker it's, it's just designed to drink on a hot day mm -hmm. uh, 3.9% so it's nice and low on the booze it's one of the great opening beers or great hangover beers to, uh, opening <laughs> or finishing beers either way um, yeah that, that's my choice and George what have you got there? I was digging into a Chaotic Good, which is our mid-strength uh, uh, Pilsner. Um, we really just wanted to highlight, this is one of Dave's old recipes. Uh, we just wanted to really celebrate you know, the hops that you could find over in New Zealand with this beer. Um, also giving you like a really strong, full-bodied mid-strength beer. We just didn't want to be like every other midi out there that's just crushable, crushable. Um, just, you know, give the opportunity to somebody to crack that tin and just say, oh my God, there's really something behind this. Um, mm -hmm. Like I can really respect the quality that's been put into this beer. Um, For me, it's exceptional. Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, is, I mean, that's- This is my go-to. Oh, hell yeah. Easy. I mean, that Grim Reaper, the detail that Falco put into that is, yeah. is unreal. It is unreal, yeah, yeah. bone, but it's a midi as well. So <laughs> we want to be approachable for some of the good old boys as well, so that sometimes it might be a little bit of a piece about marginalization, but that's okay. Um, but I mean, when it comes to midis, um, I know like most breweries have probably got something, but that beer is nuts. It is so damn tasty. Uh, it's ridiculous, you know. I love that Trimble Bowls had it on for quite a while. It was all yeah. the, the old boy locals down there smashing, you know, skinners and pints of chaotic good and yeah, that was on. There's on the deck on everything, but yeah, that made me happy. Yeah, pump yeah. it. There's, a, there's yeah. a bunch of really good clubs in particular as well, like Barton Bowls. Heaves yeah. through that before the floods. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, um, but there's a lot of clubs that support that beer, and yeah. and a lot of you know, really premium restaurants and and all sorts of different spots. Um, it's exceptional. Um, I suppose you know, um, people are so used to because of some of the the majors, you know, dropping their. Um, 
middies for dirt cheap prices on 30 blocks and the like. People are used to paying, you know, less for, for a midi. Um, but if people are willing to be open to spending a couple more bucks, um, they can find out that there can be real flavour <laughs> yeah, in exactly. a midi. Like, yeah, yeah. Compare yeah. that to anything else, and I'd love to hear what people think, because it's, it's exceptional. It's nice to be driving somewhere, but still be able to drink something tasty. Yeah. It's not just a yeah. flattened lager or a pilsner that has no flavour. It That's has right. flavour and it's low alcohol. Yeah. Go to town. Yeah. 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 And that's the whole point of it, right? It was, it was, so when people put into a glass, you'd have no idea it was a mid-strength. You would swear it was full. That was the whole point. The mm. body's there. The texture's there. Um, mm. The hop's there. The malt carries it nicely. The yeast ca- characters from the mm. lag yeast is nice. You know, you'd swear it was full strength. Um, which is what we wanted to do. Yeah. A lot of people try and achieve that. Mm. But Rich, what have you got there? Um, an empty can of Deep Space Haze, our <laughs> hazy pale. Um, I think it was just before my time that the guys did it as a um, limited release back um, a couple of years ago. It was a wet hop that went nuts. Um, one of the themes that we sort of run, I suppose, on, on our artwork, we're not doing um, skulls and... Um, out of the bone bits and pieces uh, is the space sort of theme so it originally had some um, rad space branding um, and it went nuts you know um, but obviously wet hops aren't something that we can run all the time so uh, it just went so nuts like sort of before hazies um, were doing a lot in Australia particularly hazy pals I suppose um, and um, and we just figured hey the numbers are too good in terms of sales people love this beer so let's keep it around um, so the guys started playing around with the recipe and it has evolved like a fair bit um even up until a month ago i reckon um so many different bits and pieces that have changed that have been exciting to sort of work our way through some of them being hurdles as well but um, i think we had had a few clear batches this is yeah when we we were trying to work on this to get this one nailed i think so too like trying to get the yeast profile right so we're super grateful for um, all of our um, supporters of our community that sort of <laughs> yes. been a little bit patient with us on that but it's just it's just a ridiculously good beer like I mean as a consumer I love beer and I love juice um, <laughs> I don't necessarily want my beer to taste like juice though you know I don't want people to be pouring a, a truckload of tropical juice in there or using too much lactose or anything like that so um, we had this really nice balance um, whereby it was juicy enough because of those hops um, the boys be cooking up um, and at the same time I had a nice little bitterness to it so it, it suited my palate really well I know it's super selfish to, <laughs> but um, you know when you can talk passionately I suppose about a, a beer um, you know people are usually pretty willing to listen and at least try it um, and make up their own minds but I think you guys done a really good job and, and like they said this latest batch is um, is the best I've ever had and yeah. pretty confident we're going to keep it exactly the, the way it is yeah, for no, the, we, we've two years the time <laughs> two years of yeast work to get to this point <laughs> oh. Yeah. You use this yeast, it's supposed to make your beer hazy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it does the opposite. Yeah. It clarifies it three weeks after we put it in the keg. <laughs> Again, so yeah. grateful for everyone's patience. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I mean, because it's hard, like, and so we have, obviously, we don't put out beer that we're not, like, super proud of and intensely proud and would be proud to put our name on it. Um, but, you know, we see these things down the track, and when it comes to haze in a beer, it's like, it's hard because are we going to put, you know, 3,000 litres of beer that we've canned, you know, three weeks before uh, down the drain or destroy it because it's not quite hazy enough? Mm-hmm. Well, like everything else is... site and watch it for months, you know, we yeah. need to turn money over to keep this thing yeah, alive. To be fair, yeah, which, so. which we've done. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. have I, dumped batches that plenty. have gone clear. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. when you open a deep space haze, you're expecting haze. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> um, but, you know, when it comes to, like, subtle qualities like that, that don't affect quality or taste, um, it's, it's a really tough call. And obviously, um, you know, if it was anything else, it'd be straight, it'd be gone without a question. If there's any oxidation, if there's any other issue, yeah. it's not, it's without a without a question mm-hmm. it's just it's gone we, we wear yeah. the cost of it it's, it's massively heartbreaking when that happens. of course and it does yeah. and it absolutely does. It still does um yeah. yeah like we run dozens of lab tests on all of our beers that we're putting out and if any of them we're just not happy with and if it's not something that we can actually control and make better um we're pretty hard about it's going down the drain yeah mm. yeah fortunately it doesn't happen very often no not anymore no <laughs> no, I've dubbed a few batches in my time. 
six months. Yeah. 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 Mm. And that was actually a deep space that went clear. Yeah. So yeah. what are you drinking, Chris? Well, yeah, it's uh it's nice to come into a brewery and have tried most of the range. So when I looked at these fuzzy logic seltzers, so and oh, I probably should give this a try. So um, I've got the passion fruit pavlova seltzer. It tastes exactly like passion fruit pavlova. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm drinking it out of the can, but it's not necessarily clear either. It's, it's a little bit creamy. I think probably creaming soda, if you think that sort of color, it's probably That's close to that. Um, and yeah, it's very easy drinking. Again, if I was hungover, I'd happily grab one of these and yeah. <laughs> this would be my drink of choice. Uh, or it's a good starter, just like a, a sour would be, or a, or a lager, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's yeah. exactly what we aim for on our seltzers, right? It's just nice, light, um, real flavor. Just keep it real, keep it full. Um, real fruit? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. We add crazy amounts of real fruit to Oof. both of our seltzers. So we have the passion fruit pavlova one, real passion fruit in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have the raspberry seltzer. And again, it's just heaps of raspberry that we chuck into that on every batch. And it's got like, you know, passion fruit pavlova, just that real cloudy, creamy, mellow yellow. Looks like a pavlova, right? Mm-hmm. And the raspberry seltzer just beautiful ruby red, just mm. beautiful, clear, love it. Yeah. We, we ferment them bone dry. So we take it down to um, uh, negative in terms of gravity. So um, uh, undetectable amounts of sugar in them. So like zero grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, still some carbs, obviously, because the alcohol. Um, but they they're very clean drinks. A, a, a little bit of fruit. A little bit of fiber. Yeah, a bit of the fiber will stay behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. But overall, like in terms of sugar and stuff, and obviously gluten free. I actually remember <coughs> back in my clubbing days. Mm-hmm. Back in my clubbing days, I was at family night club and got introduced <laughs> to vanilla vodka, passion fruit, and lemonade. Ah, this classic. This is very similar. Is it? To yeah, this. right. Yeah. 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 So again, that was just at the time it was something that was cool for me. Yeah. But uh, this is a bit of a, a throwback <laughs> to those days. <laughs> Man, those those seltzers. Last thing I want to say about them is is like how proud I am of what we've done. Like, yeah, they're not a, a massive focus for us as a business, but obviously the seltzer market went mental, um, particularly you know during COVID, I suppose, over in the states, and then everyone got on board um, all over the world. But um, again, what's something I'm so proud of about what the guys have been able to do, what the team's been able to do is um, put our own spin on it. You know, there's not um, not a lot of products out there in the seltzer game, particularly in Oz, that, you know, use real fruit, you know, pack a punch that actually look beautiful in a glass um, and taste, you know, and they're not clear and, and, and relatively mellow, you know, like that pack a punch, they let you know, hey, this is this is an ether oh, seltzer. Yeah. And yeah, it might be, you know, healthier than certain other beverages. Um, we've still got a little bit higher calorie content than some of the um, seltzers in the trade, but it's because we're using real fruit. Yeah, yeah. Stuff's got calories, you know, yeah, and it's right. that and fiber can, that's on behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can drink syrups and stuff if you want and get well calories, <laughs> um, but we need to ensure that our stuff has flavor and mm. and we can be proud of what it is. And and they're they're everyone that tries them, I think, loves them. Mm. So yeah, super stoked on what the guys have been able to do. Awesome. And you picked up a classic. Yeah, yeah you're under a classic I, now. It, that it, is well, this is the all-time heavyweight mm. champion. Yeah. This is if, it, it's our, exactly. it, I mean, it's our most awarded beer. Mm. Um, we've taken out champion beer hop, and stuff. Hop, hop, skip, skip and jump. jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one of our OG West Coast IPAs, and it's been tweaked and massaged, you know, as long as I've been brewing it, which is from the very get go. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we just adore this beer, and it's funny we go through little stages. Like I think it was about a year and a half ago, I said to George, mm-hmm. "We're going to cut hop, skip, jump." Yep. Um, and move in a different direction with it, and George is like, "Go fuck!" I mean, <laughs> 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 but um, no, and like we got a bit of kickback, and before I knew, it, like honestly, I swear it was a week later, it started moving and just cranking. Like I don't know why, yeah, and that's happened a couple of it's times. I think with times. a couple of beers, yeah. I'm like, "No, nah, it's not performing. I think it's time to cut it." Uh, and then the next week, it just starts to crank, and and hop skips just been such a consistent beer for us, like moving and selling and. Uh, it's awards uh, have always been amazing. It's just a crap. Yeah, last year got a ripper. West Coast. Yep. Yep. Um, pretty stoked. I suppose that one took out Queensland's best beer mm. yep. at the Queensland Beer Awards, also right. known as the Royal Queensland Food and Wine Show. Yep. 
So it's nice, you know, it's pretty cool for a little brewery to, to pick up a beer. Um, as Queensland's best, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it's pretty, pretty niche, but at the end of the day, it's all brewers and, um, you know, pros that are judging this stuff. Mm. So it's, it's like, I found it so funny it's to tell cool. mates like, oh yeah, this is one, you know, Queensland's best beer. Um, and it's obviously all judged by people that know beer, love beer, love craft. So yeah. some of my buddies that just drink like basic has lagers are like, man, how does this win? Queensland's best beer, you know? Like, <laughs> I only drink lagers. You know? yeah, that's right. Well, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I'm not necessarily involved in it, but there was a time where you'd come to a party with a slightly different beer and everyone would be like, mate, what is that shit you're doing? <laughs> what are you, yeah, what are you, what are you, what are you drinking? I don't want to try it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, how have you found that evolve over time? Yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, uh, the way people are spending now is different. Like back, you know, when we were breaking into the market and trying to grow the brand, uh, people were just walking into a bottle shop and buying a, the cheapest block, you know. Yeah. is what people have drunk and what they saw their parents drink, you know. It's very classical macro type stuff. Um, but now, you know, as people connect more and more with the brewing industry uh, and people see what goes into it and the actual people that are behind it, uh, people no longer go and spend 60 bucks or $50 or whatever it is on a case. They'll spend $50 on a couple of really nice four packs of yeah. really good beer yeah. um, that people have put, you know, their whole lives into making. Um, and, and that's been amazing, obviously, for us because that's our space mm-hmm. um, but you know it, it helps not just us but every independent brewery that's family owned like us uh, out because mm. the amount of effort that goes into it it's lovely to know that people are you know not just going for forex gold or something it's mm. you know, they really care about the beer and the flavor yeah I think that it's it's um, yeah it wasn't that many years ago that like you say you'd walk into a spot with someone different and you know it was just too hard a basket you know if you can't drink 50 of them in a session, like, why bother? It's not 30 bucks a box, you know? Yeah. Like, um, you know, why would you do it? But um, nowadays, I think even, like, entry-level drinkers, everybody sort of is at a pale and probably an IPA, and, and they know what it's about, and people are pretty open to trying stuff. And we know, obviously, that everyone's palates are subjective, and, you know, um, people enjoy whatever the hell they, they, they enjoy and that's that's fantastic. That's what's so exciting about it and, and so exciting about our pretty extensive range is you yeah. know, we've got we've got plenty of options there. But yeah, it's definitely um, people are keen to try things, you know, men, women, all ages. They wanna they wanna try something different yeah. because um, it's a it's another interesting discussion piece, you know, in um, you know, when you lob up to a spot, hey, you know, what are you drinking? You know, tell me about it, you know. What's the story, you know? Um, uh, people are passionate. It's great. I, I love the idea of someone walking into a party with a four-pack of one of our stupid beers. That's used, what's one of uh, intertwined, the, the Mandibut Black Truffle, yep. uh, wheat beer, for example. Uh, sorry, uh, Severance. Uh, walking into a, uh, you know, a party with a four-pack of Severance and everyone just going, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Why would you do that? But then everyone going, like, can I have a taste? Yeah. yeah. Can, I, can I try it? And that's, you know. That's the nice uh, part about, you know, I've, come from that corporate background where I worked at Carlsberg in Denmark, um, big, but you're always making the same thing every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to, you know, we're not small, small, but we're also not absolutely crazy massive. We can keep that ad, we can keep that agility. Yeah. Mm. Um, we can always, you know, stay creative, stay lean, stay mean. Um, you know, what do we want to put out now? <laughs> it's true. Okay, uh, I, I, I come in with this crazy idea, and two months later, we're putting it into can. Yeah. Less than two months Still later. working on the recipe the day that we're brewing it, that type of stuff. But it's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> can you give us an example of one specific beer? And, and I know one stands out to me that I tried from you guys that was slightly different. Is it the peanut butter porter or peanut, uh, butter, peanut butter stout? stout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. that's become like a fan favorite. We do that every winter. Actually, we're making that today yeah, yeah cool that's that's the first batch that we're doing for um this winter this is season. today um yeah i mean the first one that really jumps off the page to me is uh the pilot batch off of our barrel program um so we have open organisms our barrel program uh and the sour brown where they bought some barrels kind of on a whim a very dave thing to do it is a little bit uh, <laughs> and um they're just kind of <laughs> sitting around for bit longer than I think we would have liked, yeah. Yeah. And I think I just kind of walked in one day, 
I said, screw this. I, I'm tired of looking at these things <laughs> empty. Yeah. This, is, this is valuable time that we're burning here. Uh, let's just do a sour brown. And so we just said, screw it. Yep, we'll do that. And then within you know the next week, it was being put into tank, put into barrel. Honestly, um, I'd never really had a sour brown up until then. And um, so when George said, nah, we're doing a sour brown, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so I went and bought a whole heap of, um, a whole heap of the style that we brewing is the, the classical style but the sour browns and i wasn't super impressed with what i tasted and i, I actually came back to george and george went out and got me a good one <laughs> and i like as soon as i tasted i was like well that is spectacular that yeah, is yeah. the complete opposite of all the ones i've managed to find so far uh and the beer that came out was spectacular it was such a good beer yeah amazing yeah i'm a lolly addict and um, it just tastes like those sour code bottles. Like just, yeah. I am trying to cut back. But, <laughs> but it was just so, it was such an impressive beer. Like really, like liquid wise, you know. Yeah, we've we've evolved the branding on that piece as well. That little project. Yeah. Um, and I reckon it kind of like tears me up because I reckon if we had the branding that we've got now on the Oaks and Organisms um, series, um, which is a lot more relevant to us, um, it, that yeah, beer, the sour it's brown, got skeletons and skulls on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's sick. It's dark. It's, they look it really dark now. Yeah. And if that beer had um, that branding on it, I think mm. more people would have got to enjoy that product. But it yeah. still went really well, um, which is which is cool. Sick yeah. beer. Well, and that. Hmm. Oh, sorry. Well, that peanut butter stout that you were talking about before. Mm. I remember like before I even really knew these dudes at all. Um, I remember so many people used to talk about the peanut butter stout creature of the night. Um, you know, we brew it differently to, you know, how a couple of other people that sort of brew them after us um, do them. You know, it's still vegan and, and clean. Um, it's, yeah. No it's lactose. No lactose. Also, we've always tried to steer clear of lactose. Yeah. Admittedly, we've given in lately. But we have. We don't talk about that. But it's beautiful. <laughs> it was like cult, cult stasi, so like yeah. underground cult stasi, like people that were into that peanut butter stout creature and I would just they love it. And people still love it. And it's, and it's great. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a ripper beer. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's for me, you know, I'm going to have one of them, <laughs> one of them, <laughs> but, um, but geez, it's good. How many do you drink, though? I can get around them. Yeah, that's, a, that's not a question we should uh, answer no, no, on a uh, public uh, service. <laughs> um, I'm thinking back to Peanut Butter Stout for me, first time I had it was at the Milton venue mm. with wings. Oh, nice. And I just, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. And, and I actually... My girlfriend and I had come here to this venue, and you had a wing truck that was probably one of the best wings we'd ever tried. And we're like, oh my, yeah. how do we find this wing truck? <laughs> but again, that that was that massive flavour of that stout yeah. was great with like a buffalo wings that had yeah, a similarly right. big flavour. I'm gonna have yeah. to give it a run. I'm keen. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, George, coming from Ontario, yeah. knowing that there's a fairly strong craft beer. Uh, following there, or at least a lot of options of beers, mm. and then moving to Denmark and then coming to Brisbane. Yep. How do you find the selection here? Oh, totally different, man. Um, so in Canada, I was, you know, pretty much just a Molson drinker. Mm-hmm. Nice. You could always find me with a two for a Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I had a Canadian sitting there. <laughs> A carton of Canadian for the Australian. <laughs> 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 Slab. Yeah. I didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, um, you know, I was homebrewing at the time, um, but wasn't super into the crafty stuff. Uh, my sister was like buying me a beer or two here from the LCBO. Um, it wasn't until I actually moved to Denmark. Um, I had a couple friends that worked for McKellar, um, just a bunch of that sort of stuff. But the Danish beer market or the European beer market was a little bit different um, like Denmark it's dark and cold and raining eight months out of the year it, by the time the summer rolls around you're just like thank god mm. so the beers kind of reflect that where they're just a bit more heavier a um, bit more boozy um, they don't like to play around as much with like different flavors and stuff like that um, while like down in Australia it's a lot more fun it's more exciting you know the sun's out Let's go to the beach. Let's get yeah. some. Let's get some interesting beers going on there. Mm. Uh, let's just have fun with it. Screw it. Let's not take it too seriously. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, I never even heard of a mid strength until I moved down here. For <laughs> example, yeah, no, it's just 
Canada that I haven't Canada. Our mid strengths are Coors Light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think even like even in America, right? Um, you don't have to label it as alcoholic if it's under five percent. No, you don't have to put the alcohol percentage on it. It's like uh, there's point, some point five. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think even what wrong there? I remember when I moved <laughs> it, when I moved to Toronto, everything's bought through the LCBO, mm-hmm. and the really cool thing mm-hmm. at that time was that there's no real difference in price per can if you buy it as a single or you buy it in a carton. Mm. Yeah. So I oh, went course, the yeah. first weekend I got there. I went to the cottage with like twenty four different cans of beer that I'd never tried before. <laughs> yeah, but they were all reasonably priced. I was like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." Yeah. Um, but it was cool. Now coming back to Australia, seeing the craft beer scene really pick up and having those options. Obviously, pricing sort of different with the way that uh, liquor shops work. Yeah. Um, but still having that opportunity to try so many different beers from so many different breweries that are both. From local and abroad, it's yeah, been cool to watch. Yeah, I remember seeing that LCBO sort of set up when I was there, but also when I lived in in Sweden. Um, but unfortunately, most of the beers when I was in Sweden were just like basic lagers. So yep. yeah, yeah, you get mixed mixed box lagers. Yep. <laughs> Not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, interesting setup. Yeah, I mean, and some people are like killing it in support not just for local independent but for international like Ooh. I go out of, I mean my beer dealer um, craft you know some of those really solid bottle shops who um, go to great extremes to curate their selection and you know, I know Matt spends hours and hours just looking for the best beers he can find um, and so you know, I'm pretty much banned from my beer dealer especially after <laughs> especially after a few beers I think Dave's too generous as well I think, after, yep. I think after Royal Queensland Beer Awards last year um, yeah I that's when I banned myself I think it was like, yeah I don't think we ever have yeah yeah I remember looking at my um, the tab the next morning and go oh damn <laughs> but there's just so many great beers from you know from Australia, New Zealand, and then international. Yeah. Uh, in that bottle shop, I just can't help well, myself. That's, I just that, go that's in the there beautiful like, part about that. Exactly. It's just a cozy little basement, and it's like, oh my god, these fridges mm. are great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fortunately for us, I suppose though, like since I was like um, my beer dealer and a bunch of other sort of craft, some of those sort of pivotal pivotal guys that started off and sort of really wanted to mix up retail in in Oz a lot of people have started to evolve Absolutely. and um, products like ours become more and more relevant we're really lucky to work with a lot of really r- yeah. great groups um, not just in the indies but you know yeah. also shout out I guess to the majors for what they do for us Absolutely, so, a lot of good people out there and we're, we're really grateful yeah, and just definitely. based on that if you're thinking about a clock off on a Friday or maybe a bit of a party on a Saturday night uh, what would you drink and where would you buy it from if it was ether? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question. Yeah. So it'd be, it has to be an ether drink? Has to, yeah, has to be you can drink whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So I drink a lot of ether beer. Um, so honestly, if I'm going to a party, I'm probably going to get something different. Like I adore our beers, um, but you know, we sample them most days and stuff. It's like, you know, really? I'm taking this. Yeah. Yep. Top skip jump. If I'm at a Saturday party, I'm taking this. Really? <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I'll probably go out and buy like a. Um, uh, you know, a European goes a in a giant bottle, like some giant, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> extravagant thing, or you know, some really solid sours. Um, you know, some uh, really nice, like horsey, goaty, bretty type sours stuff that we don't make. Yeah, yep. um, yeah, something stupid. Yeah, fill the gaps. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now I go through so many phases with our beers because I drink a ton of them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, like a lot of people say, I guess it's all subjective to my mood and you know what's happening. But um, yeah, I think for me, witching is is mental pit stop mm. pale ale. Pit stop pale, actually. Honestly, unsung hero. Yeah, yeah. And now LFA. Oh, amen. LFA is nuts. Like I'd say, a lot of my peers, a lot of my mates. Otherwise, still love lagers, and, and I, I do as well. You know, there's a time and a place. Um, and when we um, started, you know, drumming up the concept for El Jefe, yeah, let's do something like ultra smashable, the right ABV, the right price, um, but make it a little bit different. You know, if we're going to do a Mexican lager, guys were like, hell yeah, let's you know, chuck some agave in there, a little bit of corn, to make it a little bit sweet, a little bit different, you know. Um, 
you know, I drink a lot of that. You know? mm. I love the idea, <laughs> you know, because some of our beers, you know, um, a little bit pricier. Some of it, you know, some of it's pretty affordable as well. But love the idea of someone picking up, and they do, you know, a case of El Jefe, mm. and <laughs> again, responsible service of alcohol, but, but smashing it, you know, yeah, yeah, getting, yeah. getting involved and just going, hell yeah, like I can drink that, like I, I drink my twoies or whatever the hell they're on. So. I think it's like the first beer we've ever released that you could actually classify as a fridge filler. Like, something yeah. you can drink all the time mm. and something that, you know, can comfortably sit in the fridge and you go back to it day mm. after day. Again, responsible service of alcohol. Mm. Not, you know, but, um, you know, and, and enjoy it. And, it, you know, it's clean, it's crisp, mm. it's, it's, um, it's sharp. It's got so a nice character. When we released that, because we were a little bit nervous that, um, you know, oh, man, like Mexican lager, pretty light. Um, I hope our, like, real crafty gang aren't just gonna be like oh that's basic like it's not not ether but i think we've got you know pretty damn good feedback not mm. just on the, the artwork and we were stoked to pick up three in the gab's can designs last yeah. year for that bad boy but um but just in it was complex enough for, for people that wanted to craft lager and something different that um no one was really doing i mm. think maybe taco but that's completely different from um Birds. Birds down south, yep. um, but it's just a completely different style, I suppose. Um, so yeah, complex enough for people that wanted like some flavour, um, and and also smashable enough and approachable mm. for people that were just used to drinking, you know, macro lager or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Stoked. And heading into winter, can someone talk us through the porter or the <laughs> chocolate, uh, the sorry, the peanut butter stout, just in terms of what they can expect and if trying something, and maybe that's a different style for them. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give the Porter a run. So Porter's pretty old school as well. Porter was one of the OGs that we messed with back in the lab again in Ashgrove. And again, it's um, it has developed and it's come a long way, but uh, it's been consistent. It's been with us for forever. Um, but that's the um, Queensland, uh, well, it used to be Queensland Vanilla, but Queensland Vanilla is incredibly hard to get a hold of again now, especially in the volumes that we use it. Um, so we use vanilla beans that have been soaked in spice rum uh, for a period, and then uh, that gets added into um, in late into ferment and aging. Um, so it's a really kind of solid, clean porter base, a little bit lighter um, than what I think a lot of people are looking for when you look for a porter or a stout. But um, you know, it's just trying to give this amazing complexity um, to a beer that otherwise is reasonably simplistic, and porters are quite simple. And we try to we try to layer a bit of hop into that. Obviously, it's not a hop forward beer at all, um, but we do add um, a bit of English hops at different stages of the brew process and the fermentation, um, just to give it that little bit of back palate kind of flavoring to it. Um, just so the vanilla and the spice rum aren't the only things you're getting out of it. Um, that's like one of the real challenges of actually making a recipe for you know brewing. Um, you don't want to make it too simple. You know, you want to give the credit to our consumer where they're clever and they'll figure out what we're doing. Um, you want to give them that respect and, you know, give them that flavor that they deserve that they're paying for. Um, and so, you know, moving into peanut butter stout, um, we try to go kind of counter what everybody else does for their peanut butter stouts you know a lot of them are very light bodied and full of lactose so super sweet uh, and then they just put some pretty basic peanut butter flavoring into it um, what we try to aim for is quite a full bodied high ABV uh, stout base uh, we, try to, we try to make it quite dry as well uh, and then we'll add I'll say a bunch of different types of peanut butter to that um i don't want to give away too much yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we try to make it a little it's bit crunchy. more dry <laughs> and we try to make it more instead of thinking about specifically peanut butter it's like if you were to take a spoon of peanut butter put that on top of peanut brittle and then put that on top of like a square of dark chocolate mm. uh, that's what we try to make peanut butter stout as and again it's when we were sitting down and you know, nailing out that process of how are we going to brew this, how are we going to ferment this, um, which are two very different things. Um, it's how do we make this as, you know, approachable, but complex and layered and full of flavor as that, as what we can make it. Um, 
yeah, so we just try to go forward with that every year. Um, the changes, because it's a limited release beer for just the wintertime, uh, there are a few more challenges into making it than, say, a beer that we release year-round. Um, things do change. Even, like, the water profile from what we get off of the city changes, and that changes the way that we have to brew things. Mm. Um, so it's just about being very mindful about how we're working with things on limited releases and making sure that we're putting out the best things that we can. Mm. Yeah, awesome. I think for me, when it comes to that porter, um, like spice rum porter, it is, that's unbelievable. That's a year-round drink. Mm. Like, and uh, it's interesting the demographics to drink that one. Like, even just in, in my circle, like, more women, you know, that love that beer um, than the dudes I know. Like, they... they Everyone can drink it, and all year round, summer as well. Like if it, if it's there, it's so smashable. Um, I love it, and and there's probably alternatives in the market. Um, not that I claim to have drunk every porter out there, but there's alternatives in the market that are probably a little bit lighter and, and a little bit too watery for my um, taste buds. Um, and then there's you know the bigger chunkier ones, um, and and ours lives in a really magical space. You know, and from what I can see, it will by itself. Um, and yeah, that peanut butter stout, I guess we've spoken about it, but it's a very special beer. Yeah, Rippers. Awesome. And is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up? I'm good. I've spoken enough for the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> Dave hates talking. Like, he, um, so I don't know how George feels. I think he's 50 50, but I swear, like, these guys are so smart. Like, I, I'm. Brainless idiot, but I talk a lot. You know, I love talking, <laughs> love communicating with people. But when I see these guys talk, you know, um, when I hear them talk, and when I, when I see them engage with the public, which I wish they could do more or, or wanted to do more, it's amazing. You know, the first time I, I saw Dave um, probably really publicly speak at, um, which was just a Gab Sunny Coast, yeah, what was that, yeah. like a couple of years ago or something like yeah. that. Um, I guess there's a bunch of brewers or, or different sort of um, folks from the industry there. and it was like one of those open forum type things, but there was a topic, maybe you're talking about sours or something. I think you might have talking seltzers or... No, so it was sours. Yeah. yeah it was definitely yeah, sours. It was, it was a sours, yeah. I was meant to be working the bar, but I was just sort of lurking about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and just the way Dave speaks, I swear it sounds stupid, but I almost had a little tear in my eye. I was like so proud. And then the engagement after that, um, yeah. that speech, like everyone was pinging questions and they were, most of them were going to Dave and... Somebody want to answer something. Dave was answering it anyway, and like, it's just people want to hear him talk. And you know, we've got Dave. He's helped us out in a bunch of different spots. Whether it was, you know, last minute archive when someone else pulled out, and Dave's, you know, packed up and gone along. And people are just so keen to hear him talk. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Makes me sick. And um, <laughs> these are smart dudes. You know? like, I, I learned so much from from George and Dave every every single day, and the whole team. To be fair, the whole you know, team. Like, yeah, we've got yeah. it's, it's a small team, but it's it's getting really good. You yeah. know, um, everyone from our you know sales guys, you know, they're amazing. You know, Benny and Dave, Emma in um, marketing and socials, like our ops team, um, Emma and um, Jordy in accounts, like they're just. Geez, they make life good, and then the brew team is exceptional. Yeah, all absolute champs. But we yeah, just weave together, man. Yeah. Oh man, but it's, it's funny, like being a, such a small team and like in relative close, you know, proximity or whatever. Um, we've got really good relationships, but it always feels like it's a bit too far apart as well. You yeah. Know? Like so, we're we're stoked to. Um, you know, we got one of our family barbecues, um, the Sava after this, which is good because we can all get tucked in a few beers. Um, <laughs> Just um, hang out together. Yeah, we, yeah, some some good things going on. Um, but we've got so many good partners as well. It's, yeah, we're so lucky in this industry. Yeah. And let's say you're wrapping up this podcast and you're thinking, I better go buy an Ether four pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, north side of Brisbane, south side of Brisbane, anywhere else. Where, who, what sort of stores are you looking for, and, and where can you find it? Oh man, um, to be fair, we're, we're pretty lucky to do some good work with the chains, so you can find us in most Ann Murphy's and um, in the BWS stores, you know, different selection for different stores to be fair, so yell out if you, you want to get specific or um, yeah. check the website, but then also obviously the guys at Coles, you know, their Lickland stores, we've got a bunch of those, more so in a close proximity, but a lot of first choice. Um, but the indie trade is, it's, you know, if we're talking about retail, definitely who supports us. You know, there's um, so many good 
groups around um, and, and banners, you know, like that, that support us, whether it's midges stores or the black sheeps and the urban sellers, whether it's a red cape group, whether it's the Harry Browns, you know, Dave up at um, Bracken Bridge. They're, it's everywhere. It's yeah. 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 Um, but there's still, there's still, there's still plenty of star liquor. They're so yeah. good to us, you know, like, yeah. um, and then even interstate, yeah, there's so many Absolutely. good cats out there that I wish. Um, you care to hear about but <laughs> 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 keep moving and yeah. all I'll say is but there's still plenty of gaps out there in the yeah. trade you know like so you know hit us up and or hit up your local bottle shop and, and ask for ether you know it helps us out you know and you know let me know and I'll give you a high five you know? <laughs> <laughs> perfect alright awesome. well guys thanks Cheers very much for your time, for your time. Thank you appreciate, so much. It. And, uh, appreciate it looking forward to tucking into plenty more ether views absolutely so, we'll see you Eddie.